0: Hello. Back at the start of 2020, we felt like the Holy Spirit gave us two lenses uh, in order to maintain a sharp and clear focus this year. Um, Two lenses through which we were to see and understand everything else. And those two lenses were discipleship and mission discipleship is about the way that we follow Jesus it's about the way we follow his teachings and seek to put them into practice and that of course is supposed to bring about change and transformation in our lives in our personal lives and in our lives together the way we live and function together as the community of God's people And that is supposed to be attractive. It's supposed to be like an advert, if you like, um, pointing to who Jesus is, how good and amazing, how powerful, how loving, how kind and gracious and compassionate he is. Um, Because we're not just called to be disciples, we're called to make disciples. Uh, And this is our mission. Well, over the next um, 10 weeks for our next preaching series, we're going to look at some of what the Bible has to say about the way we follow Jesus together. You might remember that one of um, my highlights in my summary of John's gospel uh, last week was the realization of just how much Jesus expects and requires us to be fruitful. In John 15 and verse 2, Jesus describes his father as a gardener who cuts off every branch uh, in him, in his vine, um, that does not produce fruit. And every branch that does produce fruit, even those he prunes to make them even more fruitful. And in Matthew and Mark's Gospels, um, we read how Jesus one time encountered a fig tree with no figs. It wasn't fruitful. And so he cursed it and it withered up and it died, even though it wasn't the season for fruit. It wasn't the season for figs. And and yet still Jesus expected and required fruitfulness from it. And in Luke's Gospel, um, the unfruitful fig tree becomes a parable. Again and again and again, the the Gospels are highly for us how much Jesus expects us to be fruitful. It's not okay for us to be unfruitful in our following of Jesus. And this isn't about guilt or shame, and it certainly isn't about any of us becoming judgmental towards each other. But it is about us being real. Because Following Jesus should always result in change and transformation, both personally and together as a community. And if it doesn't, well, then we shouldn't be okay with that. We shouldn't just accept that. And one of the things that stands out to me about this image of, uh, of Jesus being the vine and us being the branches and, and the, the demand for us to be fruitful in John chapter 15 is that we're all connected to Jesus together. You think about that image of the vine and you can't be a fruitful branch in isolation. It's impossible to remain connected to Jesus the vine without being up close and personal with one another, without being interconnected with one another in the church. This is simply the way that it is. The Bible teaches us very clearly that when we become Christians, we automatically become a part of the church. When we enter into a relationship with God as our father, we automatically enter into a relationship with all of his children because nobody gets to be an only child. Paul, one of the great apostles in the early church in the New Testament, he uses the image of a body. Um, with all of its various parts that are interconnected together to describe how we function together as the church. So in Romans 12 and verses 4 and 5, uh, we read this. For just just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. You know, the, the New Testament was written in Greek and the, the literal meaning of that phrase there, each member belongs to all the others is that we are all members of one another. We belong to each other. When you join a library or a gym, you become a member of that organization. You become a member of that institution. You get to use its facilities. You get to benefit from its services. In, in, in the case of a gym, you, you pay a fee and you, and you get certain privileges and services as a result. But when Jesus adds you to his church... You're not becoming a member of an institution or an organization. You're not just paying a a fee in exchange for certain benefits and services. We're becoming members of one another. I become a member of you. You become a member of me. Not an organization, not an institution, but we're becoming members of a family. We're becoming members of a community. This is a truly radical call to be part of Christ's community. And this radical call simply cannot be fulfilled by turning up at church on a Sunday and saying hi to the person who happens to be sitting next to us. Now, I know um, many of us would give anything right now to be able to turn up at church on a Sunday and say hi to someone sitting next to us. But you get the point of what I'm saying here. We should not be in a rush To go back to just turning up at church services and feel that that in any way fulfills this radical call to being a community together that we find in the New Testament. Because in Ephesians 1 and verse 23, Paul says that the church is Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church represents Christ. The church embodies Christ. The church puts all that's amazing, wonderful and glorious and powerful and loving and tender and kind and compassionate. The church puts the justice and the mercy of God on display in our world. In Ephesians 3, 10 and 11, we read this. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord his intent was that now through the church through the gathered people of God that that word church in the Bible it doesn't mean an institution it doesn't mean an organization it means the gathered people of God the community of God's people. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, we read this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds it itself up in love as each part does its work. True, we need apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip us for the works of service that God has called us to. But it's as each part does its work, as it's as together we build ourselves up in love that we will become this mature body that points those in the world around us to who Jesus truly is. In Ephesians 4.25, just a few verses later, we find that same Greek expression again. We must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another because we are all members of one another. Your translation um, may say members of one body, but literally it's that expression again. Members of one another. We belong to to each other we're part of one another and this is how we put jesus on display in our world you see jesus loves the church so much uh, so that in ephesians 5 25 and 26 we read that he lays down his life for her giving himself up for her to make her holy and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless You see, we can't claim to follow Jesus. We can't claim to be passionately in love with Jesus and not care about the state of his church. Because there is no plan and purpose of God that doesn't include the church. It is through the church that God will fulfill his purposes for our world. And it is only as part of the church that we can pay our part and fulfill our calling as part of the mission of God. The way we live and function together as God's people, the church, it matters deeply to Jesus and therefore it should matter deeply to us. That's one of the reasons why as much as we want to stand up and out into society about racial injustice and inequality. We must first look at ourselves as the church. We cannot afford to be hypocrites. But we must be a beacon of light and hope in the way that we celebrate our diversity and also celebrate and maintain our unity. The way that we love and serve one another as one people, the way we honor and submit to one another as one people, the way that we empower and encourage one another as one people truly united in him. We saw, didn't we, how Jesus prayed for our protection. He prayed for the protection of our unity together as God's people when he prayed in the garden in John 17. He prayed that we would be one together in the same way that he and his father are one, that we would be one with God and that God would be one with us, that we would be one with one another, and that by living together with him and with one another, we would point people towards him, towards who he really is. This is part of our mission. Being members of one another, functioning together as one body, is part of our apostolic commission. What we were sent for into our world to represent Christ. But it's not something that will happen by chance. None of this will happen by accident. It's something that we have to be devoted to. It's something that we have to work at. It's something we have to be committed to. The Greek word, alelom, that we translate as one another. It's used a hundred times in the New Testament across 94 different verses. And half of those verses, 47 of them, um, speak directly to the church about the way we should treat one another, the way we should um, look at one another, the way we should interact with one another. We're going to be looking at some of them, obviously not all 47, but some of them uh, between now and the end of August. Because in Romans 12 and verse 10, Paul urges the church to be devoted to one another in love. And that word devoted, it's a strong word, isn't it? It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by chance. It does take passion, dedication, commitment. You see, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us over these coming weeks, I believe he's going to call us to action. This is not a preaching series about nice ideas or clever theories But this is God speaking to us saying, I want you to change. I want you to grow. I want you to live and function differently together. And as we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, let's pray that God would give us the courage to put what he says into practice. You know, when God speaks to us, sometimes it requires us to change, doesn't it? Sometimes it requires us to repent and do things differently. Sometimes it causes us to change our priorities with the way we use our time, the way we use our our money, the way we um, treat one another in the church. Let's commit ourselves to hearing God over these coming weeks, to hearing him through the preaching series, to hearing him through our individual study of the word, to hearing him as we look at the word together in our connect groups, in our Zoom groups. Let's say, God, we want to be a fruitful people. We want to be faithful to your word. So come, Holy Spirit, and give us courage and give us determination. Give us boldness to make the changes that we need to change, that we can be the people that you've called us to be, that we can be fruitful in our witness to you, to your glory, to your power, to your love in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.